This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello, dumpty dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes from Vitel here. We're the company that provides, for absolutely no recompense at all, the telephone number you can call in and leave a message on. I just wanted to share with you a new feature we've added. You can now use the same telephone number to record a dumpty dum for the beginning of the show. It's clever, it's cool, and all the hip kids are doing it. Simply call 0203 031 3105 and follow the prompts. You'll hear my dulcet tones guiding you through the whole thing. And when it comes to record the Dumpty Dum, you'll hear it in your ear while you're singing, humming, instrumenting, or, well, however you're performing it yourself. It's that easy. Oh, and it can be anonymous too. Nobody has to know it's you. Go on, give it a try. 0203 031 3105. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that centered on Amridge in the heart of the Midlands. On the external staircase, that is Roy Field Brown. And with me, I have the staff only area that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of the class divide, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from our friend at the Academic Archers. Uh, our loose, oh, by the way, they're pretty smart, those Academic Archers people. They know how to do a Zoom meeting, Lucy. <laughs> 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 Well, we did Holy... say we'd have a surprise guest. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> there was a gentleman 
who was at least 60, who decided to pleasure himself mm. uh, in front of the massed ranks of dum dumbers on Zoom. There was all manner of pornography thrown up and Nazi swastikas, and I was called the N-word repeatedly. <gasps> it was really? an utter dip. Yeah, loose. Mm. I have never... People oh always talk God. about the dark, seedy, horrible side of the interweb. And I've never encountered it until last Friday at 7pm uh, trying to do a Zoom meeting. However... Oh, God, Royford, I laughed. I'm so sorry. I wouldn't have laughed if I'd known that. Loose, loose, loose. It, it was a teachable moment as our American cousins would say. And the teachable moment is this. is Number one, there are sad people out yeah. there with nothing else better to do with their time than just to ruin things for other people. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that don't go put in your Zoom link, uh, plastering it all over Twitter. That, those academic archers people, pretty smart. So they just kept it to their group on on Facebook. So hence, you only get people who are, are down with what you're doing. So this Friday at 7pm, uh, we will uh, attempt this again. Um, however, um, we will uh, put the password on uh, the link and the password on Facebook for the Facebook group. And also, um, we'll put it on the... Um, sorry, the Flick app group. And uh, we will say on Twitter uh, that uh, you have to DM us for the password. That way we'll have a little bit of security and I won't be called the N-word repeatedly uh, until I had to switch the thing off after seven minutes. Oh, it God. was awful, Lucy. And I'm not going to lie, I was in a proper harumph for about two hours afterwards. Uh, less about the N-word. <laughs> it was less about the N-word and more just the fact that I've been looking forward to it. Yeah. We had Terry Malloy. I didn't Malloy. know about the N-word thing. Bloody well, hell. Well, there were swastikas and all sorts loose. Who it are was these bonkers. idiots? I, I, I don't know. And then the gentleman who decided to pleasure himself with his... I just like, please, why? He had nothing to brag about, trust me. <laughs> right. So, um, but I was properly upset for about two mm. hours um, because we had anywhere between 30 to maybe even 50 people online, all smiling away. Terry had started regaling us with stories of what Mike Tucker had been doing in Birmingham since he'd left Danbridge. Um and people would, were just up for a good time. And I'd been looking forward to it mm. for about a couple of days. And the day beforehand, I'd done a test with about four or five dumpty dummers. But of course, I gave out the password via DM. So hence it was safe. Yeah. Didn't yeah. realise the massive difference. Yeah. Um, there's there's us just thinking that, oh, well, it's dumpty dum. Yeah. So there's just, a, you know, on, uh. on Twitter. So it's just dumpty dummers there. But oh, no. You know, it is, Twitter is totally public, of course. And I presume that what people are doing is they're searching for Zoom links. Mm. So a Zoom link comes up and they go, right, I'll, I'll bomb this. And my God, did they bomb it. It was Hiroshima but and Nagasaki. What a, imagine living, imagine being somebody who's, you know, who thinks like that. Imagine being in that head. Oh, God. Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, Pitiful. moving swiftly on. 
Um, not going to let it um, get to us too much, folks, because this Friday, seven o'clock, get yourself on your laptop, on your mobile phone, on your tablet, and uh, have a little bit of a dum-de-dum video action. So, uh, so don't worry. Don't let it put you off. The horrible gentleman with a small penis who was, who was trying to expose it to, to, to all and sundry, he won't be with us next week, this week even. So, hmm. uh, so that's that. So back on script. Uh, this week's Dumpty Dum was from our friends at the Academic Archers, the smart people who know how to have proper Zoom security. But Lucy. Yes. Somebody else would like to take up the cudgels and just sing, hum, play or dance along to a Dumpty Dum. How can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then you can call us on 0203 031 3105 or you can leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is not actually in Ambridge at the moment. Um, he thought he'd be safer on his canal boat, so he's gone to Norfolk. Uh, he thought it would be restful, but he says he's actually knackered after a night tossing on the broads. <laughs> <laughs> on this week's episode, we hear views from Paul Witherspoon, Mark Gotts with a hard T, Red Agnes, Lydia, Jen, General Store and Viv. But first, before all the calls. It's the biggest sensation that's ever hit YouTube since Lucy did a monologue the week before. <laughs> It's an R Lucy and a week in Ambridge. Uh, this week in Ambridge was brought to you by the words, I'm sorry, I've just remembered something. I must go. Uh, Joy turned up at the <laughs> lambing shed with Josh's coat. I mean, anyone normal would have just left the thing on the doorstep. But no, she has to go traipsing around interfering. She found Josh up to his armpits in a sheep. Apparently one of the lambs was poking itself in where it wasn't wanted, something it has in common with joy. Back at the hospital, <laughs> Linda is seriously considering giving Robert a lethal injection and the whole situation is unbelievably stressful and sad with poor old Blake panicking about Uncle Philip in the next ward over. Linda's constipated, Robert's going crackers, Freddie's in tears and then Kate pitches up with a bottle of nail varnish. There are a few situations in which Kate turning up is anything like a boon with or without nail varnish, but this appeared to be one of them until Robert ruined it all by throwing her out on her chakra. Now, keep up for this bit. Ian is pretending his aunt has died so he can go back to Ireland and stop looking after Xander as he's a bit bored of him now and has lost the receipt. So he can't trade him in for a multi-speed kitchen mixer, which is what he's now realised he wanted all along. So instead, Adam has to look after Xander. Brian suggested that will make Adam even more tired. So he asked Josh to take over from him, even though he tried to do that last week and got into massive trouble for it. But now he wants Josh to work alongside Eli. Never mind mm. who Eli is. He probably doesn't matter as we've never heard of him before, unless he accidentally burns the lambing shed down while making toast, in which case he'll become the pivot of the storyline and will turn out to be another modern slave. And we'll discover that BL has been doing it all along, along with the rest of the village, and that Susan and Clary have actually forcibly been held by Pat in a salad drawer. <laughs> as <laughs> happened last week, though, Adam is furious again. 
that BL is considering providing work to someone involved in a criminal case. Did we run out of storylines? We're recycling. Blimey, Adam mm. is self-important, isn't he? Can you imagine what he's going to be like when he finds out about coronavirus? He'll fill the hot tub with Dettol and will sleep in a full hazmat suit. Who gave the virus to you? Have you disinfected your ears? Have you ever been anywhere near anyone who has ever coughed? Over at the shop, Krusty was buying her gangmaster fiancé some chocolate to cheer him up and take his mind off his gangmasting. Uh, you have to count your blessings when something like the Gay Grables accident happens, Krusty said to Shula. Like, for instance, I've got a lot to be thankful for, as even though my fiancé is about to go to prison and turn my life into a total shit show, I have got a bird <laughs> bath and a breakfast bar. That's boring, said Shula. Let's talk about me and the Bishop's Advisory Panel. I don't know what a Bishop's Advisory Panel is, really, she said, but I expect the bishops want me to advise them, as I am very, very good at God, and I do know what's best for everyone, and I have a massive bottom, so I'm an invaluable resource, really. <laughs> Fallon, in her infinite wisdom, has decided that what the village needs in the midst of a major disaster is an Easter festival to bring everyone together. And it will. They will come together in their hatred of Fallon and her stupid ideas. There is obviously <laughs> going to be a committee organised by Yaz. Well, as she says, the only way is up. All the adults have to wear silly bonnets and the children judge them. Just wait until May, then all the adults will be wearing silly masks and everyone will judge them. The Three Stooges Go Rewilding storyline has taken an even more preposterous turn with the news that Justin ha has persuaded Feeble, short for feeble-minded, to buy some land to build an <laughs> office on. I can't believe Feeble passed her bronze swimming badge, never mind got into Oxford. She's barely got faculties, never mind critical ones. She reported back to the other two cretins. Justin thinks we need an office. And a factory, a power station, and an airport. It all fits in with our <laughs> deliberately unspec unspecific rewilding activities. What the what now? You have no rewilding activities. All you've done so far is knock a fence post down. I know the British public will go and look at some weird things, but even they don't need a visitor centre to look at that. <laughs> Over at Lower Loxley, Freddie is keen to move back in with Johnny and Hannah. I bet Hannah wakes him up in a more exciting way than his mum bringing him a cup of tea. He's probably also quite keen to get away from his mother and her crazed obsession with bowling. They had the traditional chat about trauma and depression. <laughs> if there's one thing I learned over the last few years, Freddie, is that you have to tell everyone what's wrong with you and then it magically goes away, said Elizabeth. <laughs> Talk to Lily or Johnny or even someone who gives a shit. And finally... <laughs> That was good. And that. finally, Gavin is sounding even more spitty and Welsh than normal in his pleas with Justin to allow the work to carry on at Barrow. Justin has knocked 40% off and demanded that Gavin makes use of his tradesman's entrance. Blimey, that's a hard bargain. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, I like it when you end your monologues with a smutty little bit of innuendo. Really do. <laughs> really do. Oh, goodness. Oh, well done, Lucy. So much better than last week. Oh, good. I know, you ended with filth. You started with, with, with a bit of a gag. Triumph, Freeman, an utter triumph. Now, um, we've, we've dealt with uh, Zoom bombing, mm. um, hate speech, mm. uh, senior masturbation on a public forum. Mm -hmm. how's, your, how's your lockdown been for you, Lucy? Uh, well, not as not as eventful as the <laughs> as the Dumpty Dum Zoom chat. That's for certain. Uh, it's all right, really. I'm doing a lot of gardening, and um, mm -hmm. 
yes, it's not too bad. How's yours? Mm. Oh, uh, m- 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 most super. I've found myself uh, podcasting, going on other people's podcasts, editing like there's utterly no tomorrow. So much so that Paul Clare, my uh, reserve Lucy on my other podcast, I've had to knock her back from Map Corner like twice because I've just been mm. either too busy or just like pooped for, from all the editing. Um, but I, I'm kind of quite enjoying it, really, to be fair. To be honest, I, I, like everyone's <laughs> well, just been lovely. You don't have to go out anywhere. You can talk to everybody through a computer, which means you control the interactions that you have with them. Mm. Uh, you're being told to stay in and watch telly, which is your favourite thing. So, how could you possibly not be having a nice time? Well, I think there's other people having nicer times because I think they're like bonking for Britain right ah, now it's like oh, i don't know anyone no, was doing mommy that and daddy are tired it's only two o'clock we're <laughs> tired <laughs> it's like but i tell you what yesterday uh, the, just today just before we started recording dum dum i had a beautiful interaction with a fox so i'm walking down the road it's one o'clock i'm getting my one hour mandatory allotted exercise times according yeah. to boris so doing that walking down the road fox walking down the pavement coming towards me i look at the fox the fox looked at me and he said it's fucking coronas mate the whole world's gone bonkers mm. i can walk around in broad daylight yeah just looked at me walked straight past me yeah couldn't believe it yeah well I there's quite like um, it loose there's a place called harold hill uh in in london for those that do not know london and um mm. the deer have now started coming out of the forest and the um the um sort of the wildy bits allotmenty bits um around and they're now just sitting on the they're just grazing on the verge in front of these council houses they've just kind of like you know because the because the roads are so quiet yeah i saw a wonderful photograph of exactly that i think it was in paisley mm. up in scotland it was about 10 deer just like sat on someone's yeah. lawn just yeah. like hanging out yeah it's quite nice yeah you know don't want anyone to die of the coronas, though. No. Don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm just saying that in this slightly bonkers, crazy time, uh, there are little hints of yeah. kindness and humanity and of wildlife just resuming their natural place in things. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. No. And can I just say a big shout out that goes out to the neighbours next to my mum, uh, the Indian family to the left, and then the English family to the right, because that's how I refer to them, because I can't remember either of their surnames because <laughs> I don't really live, live at my mum's. But my mum saw the, the young guy from the Indian family and, uh, and he said to my mum, oh, do you need anything, Mrs Brown? And she said, oh, can you just get us a packet of, of, of rice from the shops? My mum said, Luce, he came back with a sack. He was like <laughs> Santa, a sack full of four kilogram bags of rice my mum said <laughs> he rang the doorbell and uh and my mum opened the door and of course he'd step back and says there you go mrs brown there's all your rice uh... my mum says hey she asked for one pack of basmati rice and he came <laughs> back with half a paddy field full of the stuff <laughs> she said oh they're really lovely and then the english family next door i saw him and whatever i was outside like you know what you know doing the flowers and he said mrs brown do you need anything from the shops and my mum says if you find a red onion that'd be great he brought back 12 <laughs> so 
My mum is loving the coronas right now. She says, the neighbours are lovely. It's wartime blitz spirit. So thank you to uh, the neighbours at um, what eighty seven Holly Lane and God a hundred and no what have we got ninety one ninety one Holly Lane uh, because you've been helping out my my, my parents. And uh, that's wonderful. That's 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 just Brits helping each other out. It's lovely, 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 lovely. My friend has asthma and is mm-hmm. um, isolating because she's quite uh, vulnerable. And uh, there was a knock at the door, and uh, this voice shouted, "Do you need anything?" And she said, um, oh, "No, I've been worried about you. Do you need anything?" And she said, "No, I'm fine at the moment. Sorry, I can't see who this is." And she said. <laughs> It's Jean from next door. She said, Jean, you're 87. You are not going to the shop. (laughs) (laughs) She said, no, I'm fine. She said, no, it's not the point. So she finished up having this ridiculous screamed argument through a letterbox with an 87-year-old trying to help a young woman with asthma. Ridiculous. Good heavens. But but again, it just shows how, um, you know, a little bit of a crisis and stuff and people do rally around mm. and that's what we got to weigh up when we talk about how dreadful people can be yeah. on specifically on the internet we've got yeah. to remember that most people most of the time do, are just bloody nice yeah and it has to be said right um i am a i am a bit of a queen fan as in the monarch as opposed right. to the group right but i quite liked her speech yesterday and you know what loose I says to myself, she's 94, you know, mm. and she knows how to read an auto cue. Do you think she's going to start saying that? You know, like all old people, I'm 94, <laughs> you know. I'm not doing bad, am I? No. I'm <laughs> well, she's got every right to say so. Yeah. You know, yep. if she's got contact, well, she must have contacts in, but like she did very well with that auto cue. So good for you, our Madge. And um, let's have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. All right, that that was uh, of course Linda Snell. I was going to say it's a bit poignant in... hearing that, isn't it? Yeah, very. And she's currently in Borchester General, isn't she? Yeah. So from Linda Snell, we go to our Linda, our very first caller in Hello, it's uh, Viv from oh. Lurgy Lambeth. Okay, <laughs> that's good then. We've now dropped Oops. from number two to now number eleven in the infection charts. Yay! So I want to talk about Linda. And how I Ah, uh, resonate with her narrative. My husband had a catastrophic illness in 2008 and was in hospital for 18 months. At one point during that time, he refused treatment and he expressed exactly the uh, feelings and emotions that Linda was expressing. Uh, A good friend visited at that point. I've no idea what was said, what the conversation was, but Les resumed treatment and was eventually discharged. However, adjusting to life with multiple disabilities is a bloody hard struggle Mm. and really not to be underestimated. So I do hope they reflect that in uh, the storylines going forward. So that's it. I've got no plot predictions and no solace. Sorry. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, Viv. Thank you. I think that... I'm very sorry about your husband. I think... I think, yes, it, I mean, it would be, a, it would be a, a travesty if, you know, Linda's back out jogging by Easter or something. But I think um, that uh, they wrote that 
really beautifully, especially, I don't know if I'm saying, if I should be saying, especially for somebody like Linda, because surely it must be in everybody, but for somebody as single-minded and fiercely Mm. independent as Linda, to have to be, to, to not be the leader, but to be led, um, it's it's taking away from the essential Linda. And that is, I think, one of the reasons why she's finding it so unbelievably uh, difficult. And oddly, considering coronavirus is not in Ambridge, it's chiming a lot with a lot of the stuff that's about the, the, the do not resuscitate notices on uh, that mm. people are talking about at the moment, that sense of, I will decide, I want to decide what happens to me. I do not want that decision to be made by people who think they are doing what I want or doctors who have a legal obligation to do what they have to, whether or not it's what I want, blah, 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 blah. blah. And um, I just think it's a really interesting issue at the moment. And, Freddie's that that scene between Freddie and Linda where she was sort of saying to him I wish you hadn't and you know it was just awful and what a thing to when she's if she if she regains her sort of mental equilibrium and assumes her normal rational her normal compassionate self um then I'm sure she will realize what she was saying but to lay that at the door of a of an of a nineteen year old boy is is too far way too much you know um, mm. yeah I thought it was really beautifully written and really a really difficult um, just a really difficult thing to write about and a really difficult thing to hear this week was actually harder to write than the week of the explosion because so much of it re- revolved around the aftermath of Linda's accident. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just found it really, really moving. Uh, no, it it was superbly done, and the the one on one, as you said, between Freddie and Linda was just a, a masterpiece of writing and and acting. And the actor that plays Freddie mm. is completely coming into his own. Um, but you did, Viv, kind of make a similar point to what I made a couple of weeks ago in that. We, we now understand the reason why we had Linda's greatest hits for three mm. weeks on the run-up to this because Lin, the Linda that comes out of this is not going to be the Linda that we knew before um, because these injuries we're, we're led to believe are so severe that she just can't be. And also, um, we're not just going to have um, Linda Snell... 2.0 in terms of she's still the Linda that we knew but a little bit less mm. we're going to have somebody who doesn't have that perfect relationship with her Robert anymore mm. Robert can't do right for doing wrong yeah you know and she's pulling him up about this yeah um so their relationship is is going to be he's, really tested yeah. now because he's going through that thing that people do go through I think when they're um when they are faced with something traumatic that's happened to a loved one, which is just going into total denial and saying, but you're getting better. You're getting better every day. You'll be back to normal soon. You'll be back to normal soon. And not acknowledging the fact that there is now no normal. That normal has gone. There has got to be a new normal that is going to require a great deal of adjustment from everybody. Um, But he's just not, it's like, it's a a very, very difficult thing to 
um, line to tread between uh, cheering someone up and actually being slightly kind of um, uh, slightly ambiguous or not lying, but just refusing to acknowledge the absolute the absolute truth of what is going to happen to that person and what life is going to be like for them then. Mm. Uh, and also, the thing is that manual hasn't been written of how you treat a loved one in that in mm. who's gone through that hasn't mm. been written for us the general public yes therapists and psychotherapists etc will have a better idea but it's you know it's intensive treatment isn't it and you know and, and talking to somebody and whatever in a you know, there's no in effect about it robert is massively grieving Mm. Robert is also in shock. Mm. He just hasn't been burnt by third degree burns. Mm. Mm. And he's so protective of his Lindy. Mm. You know, so of course he just wants to uh, wrap her up in cotton wool and tell her that everything will be mm. fine. It's a natural reaction, mm. you know. And then there is this proudly independent, strong woman who realises what the future is going to hold and she's absolutely scared mm. to a point where she's saying, I should have been left there. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if... Though I've slightly gone back on this, with the end of last week, she seemed to get stronger vocally. Because this is another masterstroke. The week before last... It, she's barely recognisable yeah. as Linda. Yeah. Audibly, barely yeah. recognisable. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, when she gets out, she does contemplate suicide or even attempt it. Wouldn't surprise me. As you said last week, and as we know, here's this competent, strong, feisty... A do-gooder, and she's been reduced to being potentially an invalid, and mm. she hasn't declined gracefully. It's been with one incident, mm. and that is going to be that's going to be hard for anyone to deal with, let alone somebody who's as strong uh, as Linda Snell. And the fact that um, she and Ro Robert, you know, she's pulling Robert up about things and she's saying to freddie you should have left me there um bearing in mind this is dramatic constructs that we're listening to it wouldn't surprise me if there was talk when she comes out of home and she can't go back to work she can't be part of village life that she just says what is the point of what is the point of me being here mm. you know she is one of those people who She's like Zen Buddhism in reverse. She cannot just exist. She has to be productive. She can't, mm. even when she had time on her hands, she immediately started that reading challenge, didn't she? She decided yes. she wasn't going to do the, the show. So immediately she starts um, uh, doing, the, uh, doing the reading challenge instead. And it's like she can't... It, she can never just, you know, it's not enough for her to just be, she has to do. And if she couldn't, if she is unable to do, then she's going to have this, she's going to have a real problem redefining who she is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Viv, thank you for that excellent call. Uh, from Viv, we now go to Jen. 
Hello, all Dumpty Dummers. This is Jen here at Ambridge Pony Club on the Twitters, and a big shout out to all the lovely people I chat to there. I'm a first time caller innerer. I'm a horse vet, stroke app developer. Cameron Fraser would be the first new character I remember and adored. Him leaving Lizzie at the service station pregnant really hooked me into the show. I'm calling in about the coronavirus. I have to say I really, really don't want it in the village, but if it must come, then I have a few requests. Um, first of all, please don't kill anyone that we know, scriptwriters. Um, could you stick to silent characters, ones that we're not too familiar with? Eli the Shepherd would do. Uh, maybe Sabrina Swaite's husband to free her up for some interesting <laughs> shenanigans with the males in the cast. Um, Hannah can have a bad dose, but I'd like her to recover. I find that she's <laughs> tragically allergic to pigs afterwards and has to leave Barrow to kneel. Most importantly, I would like Johnny and Tom to have to go into isolation away from the farm, leaving Helen, the only able-bodied adult. I want to hear her grafting. I want to hear her mucking out cows, packing veg boxes, planting carrots and hauling leeks. I want the line, bugger off, Henry, mummy's tired. Go and play some Fortnite on the computer to feature. So please can we have it as light as possible. And thank you so much for everything that Dumpty Dum does. Keeping the world laughing at the moment is a really vital service. So bye for now and stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, Ambridge Pony Club. I like the I like the playing God. This is who I want to die. This is who I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point though about Richard Thwaite getting it. Mm. Yeah, let's let's unleash Sabrina, Sabrina. on the village on an unsuspecting wow. male population. Flaming Henry. Mm. Uh, Ambridge Pony Club, thank you for your call. Uh, let's go. We've had uh, we had Viv. Vagen. Now it's Lydia. Hi, it's Lydia. How to read address on the Twitters and Instagram. Haven't called in for a little while. Um, it's all been so crazy, hasn't it? <sighs> but I had a horrible thought that occurred to me the other day um, when all the stuff about Philip came out and when we heard that they're going to be introducing Corona to the village, probably May. Is that right? Anyway, I suddenly thought, oh God, I hope Kirsty doesn't find out about Philip when they're isolated and in lockdown and where there's nowhere she can go or anyone else she can really talk to that would just be awful um but I kind of feel they probably won't do that because they won't want to have another domestic abuse storyline so soon after Rob and Helen because I would imagine that of course her finding out at home with Philip might not end very well for her yeah, it, it would just be really unpleasant, wouldn't it? So I'm just really hoping that she finds out before then, or I guess a while afterwards, depending how long this whole thing goes on. Well, that was very rambling. Uh, but yeah, that was my <laughs> thought. Really hope it doesn't come true. I'm sure other people have had this occur to them. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Bye. Bye. That wasn't very rambling at all. No. Oh, you've, been, you've been too hard on yourself there, Lydia. You really are. Um, I think that... Um, I'm not actually sure it would, I mean, it would be very bad if she found out uh, when she's with Philip in the house. Mm. But Krusty being Krusty, she would go and confront him with it. She's quite brave. She would do that, I think. But I'm not, he seems to be in so much denial. I'm not even sure he would be angry at her response, I think he'd be more sort of mystified 
Um, you know, he seemed genuinely upset about Linda. Um, he sounded genuinely contrite at the pub meeting. I honestly think he is genuinely sorry about what happened with Blake. He and, But he doesn't connect his actions with what happened. Loose, it's like he's just... Loose, you're, 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 you're wrong about the Blake thing. Right? The way he's spoken about Blake um, to Gavin, right, he doesn't care about Blake. Okay. He's a horse. He's right. a slave. He is a beast of burden for him to be able to accumulate money uh, by giving knockdown quotes and to enrich himself. Right. And that he doesn't care he doesn't care about Blake okay. at all. He doesn't. Um and what he is and I don't know. I don't know enough about psych, psych, psychology and stuff to know whether he's, he truly is a sociopath. But one of the things which Philip Moss has tried to do ever since he came to Ambridge is to ingratiate himself with the village, to present a face of mm. respectability. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, not at all flashy. Yeah. Right. But like he fiddled around with the hunt. Yeah. He, he he's gone twitching, etc. He's an all round good egg. Mm. And and how this connects to me. Because Rob, fact... Rob Titchener didn't connect with the village, did he? No. He deliberately no, no, set no, himself no. above it and sneered at it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And cheated at the cricket and all that stuff. That's not Philip Moss's way. No. And I think it goes back to the fact that he, as Gavin said a few weeks ago, there was a time when we were really broke. Yeah. So he's just glad that he's got some level of liquidity mm. and he's got a house and he has um, some level of standing and he wants to ingratiate himself into this new social construct that he's come into. Hence, Jim, I'll do your place at cost. I'll do the, I'll do the, the playground, etc. He's not trying to curry favour politically. He's not like Justin Elliott. No. This isn't a strategic move so he can be running. This is things. all image, isn't it? How, how exactly. Good, what a good he wants I am. to fit in. And yeah. because he, he wants to, because of his path of being broke, he's, he's generally concerned about Linda. Mm. But also, it's the fact that Lin, what's happened to Linda is potentially going to be his downfall. Yeah. That speech that he gave in the pub was too perfect it was too perfect so he's he's he is aware of his public face but he doesn't give a rat's ass about blake and the other slaves he wouldn't be keeping them in modern day bondage if he did mm. yeah can we have some more silence or shall we move on to the next sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's just it It's just the disconnect, I think. But I can I think there's like a disconnect in his head. I think he genuinely thinks of himself as a good bloke just misunderstood. I think that's it. Well, but he did say that to Gavin. Yeah. Didn't he? He says, "We know that what we, we that we're giving these guys uh doing them a favor, but other people viewed another way might view it a different way words to that effect so yeah 
Yeah. But he, he's a wrong one, and he knows he's a wrong one. Otherwise, he would have turned around to Kirsty and says, do you know the reason why I can provide such competitive quotes? <laughs> we don't play the workers. <laughs> <laughs> Give me three guesses. No. No. <laughs> Yay! I'm a slave trader. Yay! <laughs> All right. But thank you for that, uh, Lydia. And so from Australia, because that's where Lydia is, uh, we go to Red Agnes, who's up north somewhere. Hi, Dumpty Dummers, it's Red Agnes here. Today I'm procrastinating and feeling slightly resentful at having to both go to work and write an essay for university, so I'm procrastinating um, <laughs> very badly. Uh, some Ambridge observations. Leonard. Leonard is a wrong one. Bugger me if he isn't Tom Rigglesworth's dad and Maureen Littman's squeeze in Coronation Street. He's a philandering gobshite. No pedantry from me this week. I uh, couldn't find anything that got on my goat with Ambridge this week, but... An observation on a couple of questions. Captain Birdseye, he's looking much younger on the new advert, don't you think? Um, I've yet to find anyone whose looks are enhanced by FaceTime, Skype or Zoom. It makes me look so old. Um, and does anybody else feel a little bit uneasy about cutting up the pepper babies that you find inside a pepper? Or is that just me? Right, I better get back to this essay. It's really boring. Oh. I, th- I think the lock the lockdown is messing with yep. your mind, are there, Red Agnes? Her. Got to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, because Red Agnes, for for I don't know why quite, but anyway, she always reminds me of uh, the Victoria Wood series Dinner Ladies, and Dinner Ladies is coming to Netflix very soon. The whole series. Uh, all of the series is, is, is so you must watch it, download it, and watch it because it is brilliant and it will cheer you up like nothing else will. Yes. Um, if we if we're doing TV recommendations, um, I have to give an honourable mention or a shout out to Ozark uh, with the wonderful uh, Laura Linney, who I'm kind of in love with, mm. and uh, Jason Bateman. And so the the premise is that Jason Bateman plays this mild mannered accountant or financial advisor in Chicago and you realize in the first episode that um, he's working for um, the mob laundering their money and um, the family have to move to the Ozarks which uh, most Brits won't know but it is uh, in Missouri and it's uh, along the the uh, the spine of the Mississippi River and um, it's this wonderful kind of like meandering bit of the Mississippi and it's called the Redneck Riviera and all manner of of badness goes on down there and he has to survive with his family and, and launder money but it's what it, but it's very much in the genre of um these modern uh dramas which are all about anti-heroes mm. these are people who you find yourself rooting for but actually what they're doing is amoral, whether it's a, mm. whether it is The Sopranos or Breaking Bad. Mm. So if you enjoyed the moral ambiguity of The Sopranos with great writing, watch Ozark. If you enjoyed Breaking Bad and so you supported Walter White, even though he descended from being a chemistry teacher into a gangland criminal and you still wanted him to get away with it, watch Ozark. It's very good. And Laura Linney, I just, I just love her. And she's got an amazing face, I mm. always think, in yeah. that she looks so incredibly young, 
She's got a baby face, but she's just a beautiful middle-aged woman and the most amazing, engaging smile. Oh, mm. But what an actor. What an actor she is. Uh, she, she can just turn her hand to anything. And, and ditto Jason Bateman. He has a very much uh, a slight baby face, but he's the man next door. And you just believe anything that he says. It's great. It's, it's very, very good. And it's a real slice of a, Americana in terms of showing you American culture and a side of American culture, which is somewhat derided, you know, the, the Deep South and the characters around it and stuff. So Ozark on Netflix, have a bit of that uh, during your lockdown. So Red Agnes, now we go to my brother from another mother, the person I want to be my best friend. It's Paul Room, don't you know? Hello. Uh, I hope everyone is keeping well or as well as can be. I just wanted to call in about a couple of things that Royfield said in the last Dumpty Ooh, okay. Dum. When Red Agnes called in and uh, said that well, there was another caller in there who is pedantic, and under his breath I could hear Royfield saying my name, uh, which actually <laughs> you're very good judge of character, Royfield, and I agree <laughs> with that. And when I played the clip back to my wife, it gave her a really good laugh. <laughs> Um, so thanks for that. Uh, the other thing, um, I feel a bit like Freddie. It's uh, it just sort of struck me how well or how good the script writing is um, when he was lauded as a hero. And, um, Robert gave him his father's medal because very nice of you giving me uh, a clap for being a key worker, which I uh, was, but sadly I'm no longer given uh, my heart condition oh. uh, puts me in an at-risk category and i thought discretion was the uh, best part of valor and now uh, i'm sadly not working but uh, my wife is a gp so still at the front line so i'm keeping the home fires burning <laughs> and um an expert which i have been on for quite a while actually on um, housework which i quite enjoy so i can listen to dumpty dum while getting through big piles of ironing uh i hope everyone yes is okay keep it up bye Hi. <laughs> so I'm um, I'm rescinding my clap, uh, which I gave you, Paul. You're and I give it to your missus. Your missus now gets yes. my clap. Hey, for Paul <laughs> and everyone else listening who does all the things that keep the lights on in this country, mm. whether it is uh, picking up the rubbish or working for the police or um, uh, looking after parks and recreation places and. Uh, all the rest of it. All the yeah. things that we generally overlook because we're spoiled buggers yeah. and which we are now realising are vital. And can I uh, say a special shout out to all the people who are still working in the takeaway pizza places because I've been availing myself of their <laughs> services during the lockdown. I salute you all. Purely <laughs> as a gesture of solidarity, I am yes. sure. <laughs> and I think anybody also that is homeschooling their children is now firmly under the impression that all teachers ought to be paid £46 million a day. So, mm -hmm. yes, they should. Let's do that. Well, it's, I've all, it's always like I've never been able to understand why we don't pay teachers more. Mm. Yep. And actually, all of our, in inverted commas, problem schools, we should pay those teachers more. Because yeah. we want the best teachers yeah. to go into yep. those schools. Yep, 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 yep. yep. You know, Absolutely. it's within all of our uh, long-term benefit mm. if those kids get the best education they can possibly get. I think, they're not, well, I was going to say nothing against pri private schooling and grammar schools. 
I've got a little bit against them, but not that much. It's not they don't really serve as the centre of my ire when it comes to uh, social engineering, so to speak. But they've got an easy job. Mm. They've got a much easier job. All Ooh, these. I don't parent... know. They have to deal with the parents, and the parents want value for money and demand results. Well, even if the child is y- thick as mince. <laughs> Seriously, I've got friends who are private school teachers and they say they have, they once had Lose. to, what? It's an easier job. I'm not easier, saying it's not a job. I'm not yeah. saying it's not challenging, no, it's not yeah, taxing, yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. an easier job. Yeah. Right. When you've got kids whose parents have got the where for all, the financial where for all, uh, to give them um, extra tuition at home, mm. send them off on outward bound courses, all manner of great things and, and whatever. And then you've got, other parents that are struggling to keep roofs over their heads yeah. of their children and couldn't even think of and don't have the physical strength all the time to be able to pick up a book and and read it to their kids mm. you know i'm just saying it's much easier but anyway all teachers are wonderful it's a very maligned and underappreciated profession and all those parents that are sat at home uh, around the dining table trying to structure lessons for their kids as you said lucy they're all beginning to realize it now so as soon as this corona nonsense is over let's up their wages because they're key workers now it's old gray whiskers hello you two tis old gray whiskers here again now then i'm afraid that i've been a bit too busy watching the old news on the television to keep up with the reality of what's happening in the Ambridge place. But anyway, I just got past all this explosion and the aftermath and the reunion in the Bat Ambridge, or whatever it is called now, and uh, <laughs> I'm gradually catching up with it. But I bet I'm going to have to change it all again soon anyway. Now then, about this old coronavirus thing. Now, because of me help, I be now mainly living in the caravan in the garden and keeping a good distance away from my old wife, apart from when us <laughs> goes to feed the horses. And then we now does it in separate cars, so I can still stay six foot away from her. Tell you what, it ain't all bad, is it? Anyway, you all keep well, and all them other dumpty dummers out there, you stay away from each other, you keep well, and we'll all get over this together. Thank you very much for giving me something to listen to in that there caravan. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, thank you, Mr. Whiskers. Well, at least you've got nice weather for being in your caravan. Mm. It's lovely. In England at the moment, it is lovely weather. Proper, proper spring and nice and warm and all the tulips are coming out. And it's like the weather's decided everything else is shit, so I'll give them a break. I'll give them a nice spring. They can enjoy the blossom and the sunshine. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very true. I, I still thought I was in California mm. this weekend. Mm. Lovely it was. Utterly lovely. And I think you're right. Um, him him up high or them up high, her up high, it's basically said, let's give, give them a little bit of a break in Blighty at the moment. But hey, hum, every cloud has a silver lining. And, and that cloud that is, oh, no, I was going to have a dig at our Boris. I shouldn't. We're all in it together. Party politics is over. Let's hope that Boris gets well soon. Anyway, uh, but he is at the hands of the NHS, isn't he? Or has he gone to some private hospital? I'm sure he's ostensibly being looked after by the NHS. On a private ward? Yep. Mm. More about that later. After a touch of the Lower East-West Side, it's Witherspoon. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. 
Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Demers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, wishing everyone within the sound of my voice good health. My <laughs> caller in today is devoted to the aftermath of the explosion. First off, thumbs down to Borchester General. Any unit in the hospital, <laughs> but especially a burns unit, would have a depression screening done by the doctor or nurse once the patient is well enough to talk. I would bet that the NHS requires such, as the hospital regulatory agency in the United States does. Why hasn't a counselor or social worker talked with Linda already? Next, Freddie. Sarah Passingham and I agreed on Facebook that his own depression and guilt are being fueled by his refusal to have talked with Linda at the front desk, which necessitated her following him into the staff room, her hearing the noise in the kitchen, opening the door, and boom, Bob's your uncle. Finally, I disagree with some of you out there regarding Kirsty's future. Once things blow up with Philip, pun intended, and they break up, she will not get back together with Tom. I just think she has more self-respect than to reunite with the man who dumped her at the altar. And emotionally as well, she has moved way past him. I also think that Tom is happy with no Kasha. Keeping it shorter today. Talk to you soon. Hmm. I'm inclined to agree with him. Vis-a-vis Kirsty being uh, well over Tom. Mm. But, well, she did sleep with him again and get pregnant, didn't she? Yeah, but there was the scene which we had not last week, but the week before, was it even the week before that, about her saying to Roy, should she invite Tom to the wedding? Then her and Tom had the conversation. Yeah, about no. Yeah, and they both (laughs) said, yeah, no. And they and they <laughs> laughed about it, and I think that laugh was the telltale sign that they're completely yeah. over each other. Okay. They're totally comfortable with each other doing whatever they're doing with somebody else, as long as it's not with each other. Okay. I think that's what that scene was supposed to be all about. Okay. Well, I hope so. I mean, I don't want her to end up with Tom, but I do think there's an element of Kirsty that reminds me of Pat, uh-huh. and I could see her at Bridge Farm and Bridge Farm through Kirsty maintaining its position as an innovator and mm. a farm that doesn't put profitability first but puts sustainability first and I could really see Kirsty spearheading that in a way that I can't see Natasha no, doing. Mm. You're, you're spot on you know but I suppose there is the let's keep um, the ethos of Bridge Farm vis-a-vis Pat and Tony together and Kirsty would be great for that but no Kasha in a way does keep that alive because she's all about innovation to do with business you know so mm. yes it's not sust- it's not necessarily um gr- oh, say green farming uh, whatever Bridge Farm was doing in the 1980s which was seen as kind of radical back then but her and Tom are all about their apps and their this and their that and stuff. So in, whilst I agree with you, you could view it from a slightly different prism and see that uh, no Kasher and Tom are trying new business yeah. ideas yeah. and stuff. It's just that sustainability and necessarily a love of the land isn't necessarily at the heart of it, but they're trying to do things in a different way. Though so I take your point and invariably, I agree, Freeman, I agree. Uh Shall we keep things stateside and yeah. have a little bit of Margot with a hard T? Yep. All right, let's do that then. Okay, here we go. 
Good afternoon, Lucy, Royfield, and Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Margot from a going on four weeks stuck inside here in New Jersey. This week, I was most greatly moved by the interactions between Linda and Freddie and Linda and Kate. When Linda unleashed her frustrations and hurt on Freddie, I sat at my kitchen table choking back tears. Mm. It was so raw. It was one of the best acted pieces I think I've heard. You could hear the pain in Linda's voice, and you know for sure that this is going to change Linda for a very good span of time. Then we had her uplifting moments with Kate when she got her toenails painted. For a moment, I heard a bit of our old Lindy. They were reminiscing, and I think it's most important to Linda that she's being treated like a person again and not an invalid. I can't imagine what that must feel like, but I'm sure for a person like Linda, that's what makes all of this even worse. And then Robert tossed Kate out, and the reaction Linda had to Robert again left me feeling the same way as when she spoke to Freddie. Then Philip. His company is back to working on Barrow Farm. And of course, we got to hear a little bit of what Royfield said the other week. None of the town is onto him yet. And when the slave master ways are brought to light, it will slap most people across the face with shock. Kirsty did ask Gavin if she should postpone the wedding. So now I'm wondering, will Kirsty find herself married before she finds out the news? Because I'm dead set that this is how it's going to happen. Or will somehow Philip convince Kirsty to get married even sooner, thinking that this will somehow save their relationship, leaving Kirsty to be the one to leave somebody at the altar? I hope you all are continuing to be safe and healthy. Have a great week. Bye bye, Margot. Bye. Mm. What do you reckon, Luce? <sighs> I think she'd only leave um, Philip at the altar if she was um if if she had only recently found out if she, ugh, i don't think she would let him get there and then her um just not turn up she would only jilt him if everything was going smoothly and then she found out but by the time she'd found out he was already you know waiting at the at the registry office or whatever um I don't think she could do to anybody what was done to her, however angry she was with them. Mm, I don't think so either. And for all the although reasons there's a she... nice synchronicity to it in terms of plot, I don't think. No, nah, it's... It's, it's somewhat straight out of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. If they did that, no, nah. they'd, they'd, they'd lose me as being a devotee of this thing if they did that. Right. You know, because that wouldn't be Kirsty for us to cynically say. I'm going to show everybody and Philip that I can jilt somebody at the altar as yeah. well. That's not Kirsty. No, no. It's just no. not. You know. No, and it's also Kate. it's not the it's archers. Not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it'd be Hollyoaks. And there's yeah. a reason why I don't watch Hollyoaks. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but it's just not for me. Uh, now, uh, let's go uh, from Margot with a hard T to a first time caller in error. I believe this gentleman is calling himself General Store. So I'm saluting you. Hi, um, this is General Store, a first-time caller in. I know Roy Fields is very strict about the I information we have to supply. Um, I hope I get it right. Um, I started to listen as a small child in the 1960s because it was my mother's religious duty to listen every Sunday. And we all had to be very quiet. And then I sort of listened in, at university in a very sort of post-ironic amusing way and it sort of became a habit so i don't know what that makes me maybe you could fill me in um i have want to talk about the oldridge women who i find incredibly annoying jennifer is possibly the worst mother on planet earth 
Her four children are an utter disaster. Adam, the most boring Brexiteer on planet Earth. Debbie, who's scarpered off to either Hungary or Bulgaria, I can't quite remember. Kate, I find so annoying. She, her worldview is correct and she won't accept anybody else's. Although, actually, this week she's been quite nice with Linda, so I have to give her that. And Alice is just a self-entitled, spoiled, rich kid. Very annoying. Um, I also would like to talk about Roy Fields and Lucy's attitude to Helen and Pip. Mm. You both dislike them, and I just wonder why, as two successful working mothers, I just wonder if they were male, you'd have the same attitude to them. And finally, my prediction when the coronavirus hits is... Christine will die. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the show and um, take care. Have a good time. Bye. Bye. Christine will die. <laughs> 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 I love the way everyone, all I call her in, is being quite so cavalier with people's life and de- lives and mm. deaths at the moment. Um, I'm going to quickly, quickly go first and I'll hand over mm-hmm. to Freeman here. I've never said I've got a problem with Pip. Never, ever, never. My, and my only problem with Hel- Helen Archer is between approximately 2010 to 2000 and, uh, let's say, 17, 18, was the amount of airtime which she uh, chewed up. And it's no criticism of the actor. If anything, it's props to the actor that she could carry so many complex and dark storylines. And it's uh, a total compliment to the writing of the character of of Helen Archer uh, forward slash Titchener that she went through what she went through at the hands of her then husband. And when she's come through the end of it, a lot of listeners are still irritated by her because she comes wrapped up with a whole sense of slightly... Priggish is the wrong word, but middle-class neuroses. There's a whole load of middle-class neuroses, I say, that Helen comes wrapped up in. Um, but for me, it's not the character of Helen. There was just too much Helen. I've mm. always said it. I don't have a problem with Helen Archer, per se, other than we need three years where basically she just kind of nods her head and just says hello uh, and 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 goodbye and Henry, it's it's dinner time and that's it because she had the lion's share of the best storylines. We had um, her, her and IVF. Uh, we had her and, and and Rob and her and Rob went on for mm. years. Mm. And and years. her and the eating disorder, her running down whoever it was. Yeah, her and yeah. um, a husband uh, and a boyfriend who killed himself in the in the yeah. in the early noughts. Her trying to bring up his then uh, her step his, her daughters. stepdaughters, which they didn't really make too much of that. But we've had a lot of Helen Archer, and I just want us to ease off on the Helen Archer gas, as the Americans would say, or, or the throttle pedal, or whatever the metaphor is. That's my only problem with her. Mm. The actors who sublime in terms Mm. of being able to deliver um, her lines and for us to believe 
her as a character. And I think that's one of the reasons why she winds so many people up, because she feels so very real. And and as I said, the the if you have to um, have a if you have to realize how good the writing is, you just go. She went through coercive control at the hands of a, a rapist, uh, uh, a bully, etc. And fundamentally, she's not a fan favorite. Mm. That should make her a fan favorite. Yeah, you yeah. go for it, girl. You came through yeah. this. You showed yeah. him. Blah blah blah. People are just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't like her. Yeah. 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 So mm, yeah. well written. Well written. Yep. Yeah. What do you reckon, Luce? Um, I just find them both very, very self-involved and a bit uh, indulgent. Uh, a bit, yeah. Uh, they don't. Either of them very rarely do anything for anybody else. Everything's always about what other people can do for them. As soon as Pip got pregnant, her first thought was to involve her, you know, octogenarian grandmother in helping look after the child. Um, uh, Helen does the same. She, did, you know, the children are looked after by Pat or Tony or Tom or whoever's around whenever possible. Um, but just they, on that point, though, I know, I know what he's and, saying about you know, if they were men with their children, the same thing. Uh, probably yes, but I find a lot of the the people of their generation in the Archers quite self-involved. Um, Kate is actually one of the few who does sort of do things out of kindness to other people. Uh, Linda does. Kate does. Pip and Helen, I can't remember either of them doing anything kind for anybody. You know what? That's a very good point. They don't even join the panto, do they? No. But then again, the brookers laugh. No, they, they never just laugh in the panto. and say, oh, no, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. You know, everybody's bloody busy. They're the oh. sort of people that say... <laughs> once when I sorry I'm going to I'm going to go off at a massive tangent mm. once when I was um at uh when um my children were at primary school uh a she was a a grandmother but a young grandmother at school uh she was extremely fit extremely um uh had a very busy very busy life you know a very sort of accomplished woman and um uh, I was working and I had two children. And uh, she said to me, um, I was a governor at the school. And she said to me, um, I think uh, what we should do is have a crocodile, uh, organize a crocodile so that, because um, it's disgusting the way so many parents um, drive their children to school. And I said, I know what well, a lot of people are very worried about safety and it just makes them feel more safe if they can do that. And she said, but if we had responsible people who'd been CRB checked and they could sort of coordinate it so that, uh, you know, people, um, uh, people, uh, you know, but, but you could call at people's houses and pick the children up on the en route. And then it would only mean one parent had to do it one morning. And I said, that's a really, really good idea. Why don't you mm. speak to, um, uh, you know, the deputy head at the time about it? And she said, she just looked completely baffled. She said, no, not me. I didn't mean I should do it. I meant you should do it. And I just looked a bit sort of baffled. And she said, no, I just have ideas. I don't do the things, she said. <laughs> and I thought, you're retired. What are you talking, you know? You... And there's there's that sort of attitude, which is, oh, no, I don't do, you know. Uh, it's that middle class entitlement. And I can see that in Pip and I can see it in Helen. Mm. I don't do the things. You know, yeah, it's... It... 
yet again, uh, you, uh, you, you've opened my eyes to uh, the deeper psyche of, uh, of characters, which I hadn't even really thought of in, in that way. Because, as I said, strictly speaking, I got no beef at all with Pip Archer. But when you said what you said, I went, wait on a minute. None of the Brookers lot ever. I think Ruth once was in the panto, I think. She was in the Canterbury Tales, wasn't she? Yeah. She was a narrator. But she, yeah. But, but she, she had never to be coerced yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's only because it was in their barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, even that was gave slightly begrudgingly. Yeah. Uh, like David didn't want to do it at first, did he? Yeah. He said no. no. Yeah. Mm. There's always people that will do things and there will always be people that sit back and let them. And the two, if you're one, you, you're generally one sort of person or the other. It's very rare that you switch from one, that sort of one sort of person to the different, to the other side. Mm-hmm. True that, true that. Uh, thank you, General Store. Um, what, what army do you think he's a general in? Well, I was thinking of it like a supermarket as a general store. Uh, okay. But I don't even know if that's actually what he said because the sound quality was a bit iffy, so I couldn't quite work it out. Mm, wasn't great. Uh, no. General store, you might want to look at that for next time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your audio quality, sir. Um, Luce, uh, yes. have you got any emails? Uh, yes, many, 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 many emails. Uh, Ed and Emma's Furniture. Um, this is from uh, Paul, who says... He's a week behind on Dumpty Dum because during the lockdown, my wife has started to come on dog walks with me. So he can't listen. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we said that Ed and Emma still had their beechwood furniture. I see one problem with this, as I did with Brand Jennifer's stored furniture. If it has been stored in a barn, unless that barn has central heating, all the wooden furniture will have been affected by damp and be warped and the joints expanded, thus making it useless wobbly furniture for Ed and Emma that would be quite sad I think um uh Deborah Stone could not believe Royfield that you Mm. ended Dumpty Dum with fever by Peggy Lee (laughs) um and uh she wants to know what music uh is behind the sponsored by managers bit that we play at the start that uh, Harriet does uh so what is that or don't you know um, I don't know, because what I did was I went and found some copyright free music. I, I really love it, obviously, because I wouldn't have put it on otherwise. But uh, let me try and dig it out for next week. Um, I like it because it's all somewhat big and bombastic, but it's electronic. And yeah, but I don't know what the heck it is. It, it's nothing uh, famous. It's a bit of music which someone has says you can use this on your stuff free of charge. It's library uh-huh. music, basically. Right. And, and as for using Peggy Lee and Fever, um, somebody else pulled me to task, took me to task about that. And and the and the thing is, I actually because I called the show Cabin Fever. Yeah, that's what it was actually referring uh, to, not the Corona Fever. But I uh, understand people are like, oh, that was a bit insensitive, Mister Brown. But I meant it's like, cabin, like yeah. we're all having cabin fever. Yeah. But yes. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Deborah Stone says uh, she's from Austin, Texas. She's a Bethany Tucker. She's a former administrator in a medical office, now unemployed and sewing masks for medical workers while at home. 
very good, Deborah. She's and not she's, unemployed then. No. She's doing a vital job. She's extremely busy and unemployed at the same time. And uh, she is a married lesbian and very interested in any gay storylines, i.e. where did Fiona Lloyd and her new girlfriend Angie get to? Are they in isolation together, perhaps? I hope so, because that all seemed to be going quite nice, quite well. And Fiona sounded very, very nice. So I hope that wherever she is, she's happy and that she comes back because I liked her. Um... And um, Sonia Scaffron, I'm so sorry if I've got that wrong, Sonia, um, says she lives in Michigan and she's too scared to ring in, but she will. And um, she said she only listens to the archers just so that Dumpty Dum makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And she would love to participate in a virtual meetup. So if we can manage to do it without people's penises appearing, then... Then that would be wonderful, Sonia. <laughs> look forward to seeing you. Um, and mm-hmm. why this is called Trevor Hall, this is, uh, who says um, why Royfield is right and wrong. Oh. So he's a first time writer in Era. First mm-hmm. story he'll follow was Nathan, Nathan Gabriel and the Post Office Van Saga. Um, I don't think I lost sleep over it as my teddy kept me safe, but I did ask mum about it a lot. <laughs> Um, and then he used to drive from she used to listen to it at lunchtime 20 years later when he drove from Bartley Green Reservoir where I parked up with a bag of chips to my first afternoon job for British Gas this makes me a Brenda Tucker the alternative was a Tom Archer so I am very happy to be a Brenda Um, I miss Brenda Tucker Yeah, I loved Brenda there was a modern woman doing things yeah Mostly the wrong things, but she was doing them. Um, I have got a bit behind with the podcast recently as I was listening to all 700 podcasts, 7,000 podcasts about the American election. Strangely, I seem to have a bit of time on my hands recently and I'm catching up now. Uh, He listened with interest to your case for having casual racism and homophobia in the program. I agree totally with him about it being more realistic, but I think he's missed a point. In the aftermath of the EU referendum, there were many cases reported in the media of rise in racist abuse. This was mainly verbal, but just as hate-filled. It was as if the result had made it okay to be a little Englander again and look down on people who didn't look like you. This is what happens when you normalise bad behaviour. Imagine a middle-aged, middle-class sister being offended for whatever reason by a person of colour. Their reaction might become, well, Neil Carter says the N-word and he's a nice bloke, so I can say it too. If the archer steps into the, I cannot imagine Neil Carter saying the Edward ever. If the archer steps into the real world of racist and homophobic views and language being accepted as part of life's rich pageant, it could feed back into the real world. I think racism and homophobia are like masturbation in four ways. Number one, there is probably more of it about than we realise. Two, those who practice it feel embarrassed about it and don't mention it by society. Three, it has no place in the archers. And finally, those who indulge in it are wankers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so keep doing what you are doing and I will try to keep up stay safe Trevor thank you Trevor Trevor you're a smarter man than me and uh, you're very good at the emails sir uh, but let me try and unpack uh, my, my thoughts on this I, I understand though I do not agree with them but I understand where they come from where when people say the BBC is full of liberal bias and it's because there's a set of rule and rules and ethics and this also goes for the wider dare I say it, mainstream media as well so I'm not just zeroing, zeroing in on the BBC 
but if you if you have at the heart of what you do um, li um, liberal ethos that everybody is fine with gay marriage everybody is fine with uh, somebody of another skin colour moving in next door to you, etc., etc., right? You then can't, you then have to understand when people say that this thing isn't quite realistic and it's full of do-gooders and people like that who are running things. And without making too much of a leap about, about this, it kind of conceptually what we're talking about, which is fundamentally a diversity of attitudes and thought processes because there isn't on the archers that's when you get um liberal media and i'm a liberal so i don't see that as a pejorative at all i am a liberal people like me getting surprised uh when there are things like brexit because you think well everybody's happy with immigration everybody's happy with um, gay marriage everyone's happy with mm. so at the heart of this is a form of um, creative censorship now you raise a really good point though about if Neil I wouldn't believe that Neil Carter would turn around and say the n-word and actually how racism really works nowadays or prejudice is people who are prejudiced saying that they're not but saying that but there's something about that person no you know successful racists don't go around doing nazi salutes and goose stepping mm. what they what they display is well, you know, in my day, this, mm. this person's got a bit of a chip on this. There's something about them I don't just quite like, mm. oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So to have somebody like Neil, I'm not saying Neil Carter, say when somebody moves into the village and he's working alongside them, but he doesn't invite them home uh, to have a meal with him and Susan as he has done, let's say, with all of his new employees mm. or colleagues. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. But the thing, because bear in mind that this is fundamentally a morality play, so the baddies can never prosper, mm -hmm. right? So um, Rob Titchener could never get away, however long it took, with battering and beating Helen and raping her and doing her down. He has to get his comeuppance. In real life, 50, 60, 70% of those evil fucking men get away with it and they die. And then that's just that, right? So this is a morality play. So they do have to get their comeuppance. But I just refer you back to Alf Garnet, which a lot of liberals have a problem with, but I never did. And with my West Indian parents, they loved watching Alf Garnet in the 1970s. And he said the most vile things, but he always lost out at the end of every episode. And, and he was made to be an idiot. Mm. You know, he was looked after by a gay black nurse. Mm. And even though he railed against it, right, he needed that gay black nurse to care for him and actually did have 
had begrudging affection yeah. for the gay black nurse in the end. So that's the way that you do it. Take your point completely. Um, but there is no way that in a village where we have just under 100 active active characters, that there isn't going to be one soft homophobe or two in the village. And, you know, Will Grundy, and I'm not ragging on Will Gundy, Grundy per se, but if anyone was going to be, going to just turn around in the pub and just say, Adam and Ian having a child, it's not right, is it? It would have been somebody mm. like Will Grundy. Yeah. Not yeah. that they should be strung up, not that it should be, or no. anything like yeah. that, but just very casually just saying that and then get somebody to take him to task. And not make a big big deal out of it as well. Because this is, again, what people who are illiberal then say. You, you, you know, you've put this there to create an issue. And not everybody is as comfortable with this as, as you're making out. So let him say it, because it's realistic. And then get somebody then just to say, shut up. Mm. You know, let them live their lives. Yeah, yeah. And then just move on. Yeah. You know... The amount of times, and I, uh, the amount of times in my life that I've been called a nigger now has <laughs> gone up by a factor of one after last Friday. Or right. When it was repeated over and over and over. So maybe it's, got, it's like 15 times before I just like close the whole thing down. But I'm acutely aware that because whenever I walk into a room or a situation, invariably outside of my family, this is by the way, I am a visible minority mm. that, of course, people's attitudes to me change and people self-censor. Mm. And that's not, that's not everybody in the UK, though, mm. right? The amount of times that I've walked in, I've had people say, oh, you're dressed a bit smart or, oh, you're, you're quite eloquent, aren't you? <laughs> That is the modern. That is that is the way that people who wouldn't even class yeah. themselves as yeah. racist but yeah. actually speak. Yeah. What do you mean I'm a bit smart? Yeah. What do you think I was going to do? Turn up in a hoodie? Yeah. For 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 a do and and tracksuit bottoms? Yeah. But it's because they come with prejudice, you know. No, it's because oh, you were wearing a actually... kilt again. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, you're, you're quite eloquent, aren't you? What are you expecting me to do yeah. like that in it? You know, yeah. You wouldn't say that if a white bloke no. just walked in, and that's what I'm talking about. And as I say, just to wind this all the way back to my first point, I get it when people who are illiberal on generally the right fringe of politics accuse the media of liberal bias because actually they're correct. Mm. But we don't see it because we're all liberal. Mm. We just say, well, but everybody's yeah. down with diversity. Yeah. Every no, everybody isn't. They're not. And that's the thing. And then we get Trump being the president of the United States. Yep. We get Brexit, etc. And we go, oh, where's all this come mm. from? Because actually there are attitudes in society which um, we're uncomfortable with, but we do marginalise them and in effect, censor them. We do. Mm. We absolutely do. And all I'm saying is, 
let's be a little bit more realistic, but this is a dramatic construct, so let's not make the racists and the homophobes fundamentally prosper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There endeth my sermon, sir. Uh, we've done emails. We've yes. done sermonising from uh, Reverend Brown. We've done corderinerises. We had Viv, Jen, uh, Lydia, Red Agnes, Paul Room, Old Grey Whiskers, Witherspoon, Margot and General Store. Uh, so now I think we should take five, have an advertisement break, camp coffee at the ready and have a little bit of Millie Bell straight after. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good day, everyone. Uh, Millie Bell here with the social media roundup. We started on Facebook the week talking about Josh. Um, it was my opinion that he was really, well, actually nasty in front of Chloe to Ben. Mm. I've got no problems with sibling um, piss taking because I have four kids myself. I'm one of six. You do it all the time, but you to do it in front of someone else to humiliate them, I just think is really nasty and I didn't like it. However, not everybody agreed, which is the whole point of discourse. Jan Mitchell said, I thought Josh was appalling. I wanted to reach through my phone and give him a swat. My brother was able to recall years old offences apparently from me and would throw them <laughs> in my face whenever I had a gripe with him. Crazy making. And Rosie Glint McGlynn said, yes, many sibling relationships are competitive and it's common for there to be a lot of one-upmanship. I think in this case, Josh was really jealous of Ben and wanted to cut him down in front of Chloe. I thought Chloe was incredibly rude and didn't behave at all well. She was being incredibly immature, which is interesting because she was older. Poor Ben, he's so lovely. And uh, Carol said this whole storyline sent to us for... Light relief, what with Linda and all that, has clunked its unlikely way to last night's ghastly punchline. Let's hope it's the last we've heard of it. Can we move on now? Thank you. 
Sue England said Josh was truly ghastly. One day maybe he will find a good aspect to his character. But Fiona Crawford said, look, he was just teasing Ben. Chloe was the one who was a bit harsh, but then probably peeped that he hadn't messaged her. I enjoyed hearing him being taken down a peg or two. And Anne Stokes said, I'm surprised the nurse didn't pick up Linda's bowel problem. Have you been? Seemed a constant question when I spent six days in hospital. (laughs) Anne, you might be in the wrong thread there, love. (laughs) But I love the fact that it it came under a a whole heap of messages from us saying, yeah, he really gave us the shits. And you came straight in with Linda's bowel movement. Um, and Christine Lapping said all the time and seen parents who are also completely undermine their children. Now, I have to say, I have no problem with sibling rivalry. You can test things out on your siblings that you can't really do in with other people, but be nice in front of others. Mm. So that's my message for the week. Um, and, of course, we're asking everyone to be nice to each other anyway during this awful period. We also talked about that menacing last sentence and how... Will Justin feel when he eventually realises that he was inadvertently condoning the Mossy's illegal behaviour? But also, will he not care? Uh, Jan Evans was Smith said, I feel a sense of impending doom. When Roy sees Blake, I reckon he'll face up about the situation and then Roy will have the dilemma of what to do. May fall out with Kirsty over it or they'll eventually get together. Saving 40% and one week off the barrel work has to result in cut corners, surely. Actually, I thought that too. I thought, how can you do it without cutting corners? Uh, The poop is going to hit the fan there. Will Justin finally be brought down? He's plotting something with the real wilding and he's not someone you want as an enemy. It'll all end in tears, you hear me? And they don't even have you-know-what there. Yes, we do know what you mean. Um, Elizabeth Llewellyn said, one evil manipulator manipulating another evil manipulator. And I had to read that out, Elizabeth, because I've practised it three or four times before recording this, so thank you very much. You've helped my diction enormously. Uh, David Metzen said he's done it without the agreement of his dad. Maybe he will end up in the foundations. And Lisa Marie said it seemed ridiculous that Justin would say something so crass. Feel the pain. I know you would happily sack someone without a thought, but physical threats seem something rather unlikely for him. Absolutely agree. Um, We also wondered whether Freddie had um, survivor's guilt. That was actually my question. I wasn't trying to diagnose. I'm not qualified in any way. Um, And wondering how we would advise Freddie to... Um, move forward from that Um, and Witherspoon um, who may speak to this um, in his own section I guess said in this case because the length of time is less than a month the diagnosis is still acute stress disorder I think Freddie also feels most guilty for the way he treated Linda before the explosion if he'd been nice to her he wouldn't be feeling so upset with himself and Laura Jo said yeah he possibly um, does have survivor guilt he needs to find something to do it's most unfortunate he cannot return to work maybe Shula could give him something to do at the stables uh, Sarah Homer suggests it could be PTSD and he needs an expert and um, St James Church Ashworth said smother Linda with a pillow then she gets what she wants um, <laughs> can I just say St James Church Ashworth that doesn't seem a very church thing to say that was my first thought anyway um also, we discussed um, Emma. She was really, um, she really feels peeved. Mm. She feels like the archers always land on their feet, whereas the Grundys don't. And so uh, we wondered whether she um, was accurate in this. 
Rosie McGlynn said, it is a bit odd that Ed was sacked even though there was no police intervention whatsoever and Josh has been appointed double standards, yes. Um, Janice Betson said, well, Jennifer and David are first cousins, so Josh is Brian's first cousin once removed in law or Adam's second cousin, I think. If he wants to give a job to a relative, why shouldn't he? It's a family farm, not an international corporation. Hmm, interesting. Um, Ben Thompson said, I can definitely see the point that Ed's crime is unresolved and could still rise up again to bring him down. And Leslie Greaves said, yes, but unfortunately, it's realistic. Family comes first. So once again, um, not as robust as most weeks, but we did have a lot of other posts that were not directly related to the Archers posted up. Uh, you will know by now that we had a bit of a problem with the Zoom meeting. Um, Witherspoon is always awesome at distracting us with um, but both with his insights with uh, the Archers, but other things too. So still a healthy week on um, Dumpty Dum. So thank you, everyone. And I will leave you in the capable hands of... Uh, Yoko Bear next week. I think he's been in self-isolation a little bit longer than we have here. Um, I'm really lucky. There's six of us in our household, so there's lots of people to um, talk to and bounce ideas off, and we are in the middle of whoop-whoop, so I can go for a walk whenever I want and not see anyone. So I hope you're all in a good space too, and if not, remember, we're here, get involved, and we're always happy to have a chat with you. So um, until I speak to you again, hooroo! Hooroo! Ta-ra! Uh, do you want to do some mirror headlines, Harley? I do. I've only got one this week. Uh, this is from... Oh, sorry, it's taking a while to load. Come along, come along, come along. It was sent to me by Grounded on the Twitters. Um, Daily Mirror. It's unfortunately, the headline is just below a picture of the Queen, which is rather a difficult juxtaposition as the headline is... Woman admits she had sex with a dolphin as part of NASA-funded scientific study. <laughs> and there's a picture of the Queen in a twin set looking particularly <laughs> earnest just above it. So yes, anyway, that made me laugh a lot. Now, tweets of the week. Dominic Young said, Adam's drilling barley. Who's he? <laughs> uh, Paul, Tr- <laughs> Paul Truman. I thought I'd bring Ben and Josh in to cheer you up. Read the room, Robert. Yes. Um, John Porter, pine a pint. I'm no doctor, but I'm concerned that Linda's decision to call Roy for help suggests her pain medication is in urgent need of review. Um, <laughs> Kernow 2020 said, I had tangled twins once. The doctor gave me painkillers and bigger boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and tweet of the week. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, well done. Uh, yeah. There you go. From Nerdy Martin. Nerdy Marty, sorry. Who says, if the Queen's... This is about her speech that she gave last night. If the Queen's first words of her address aren't, what the bloody hell has happened to the archers? I should be most disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good Queen impression. Eh? Thank you. <laughs> my husband and I could somebody please lick Philip because he's been hanging around for far too long now <laughs> you are very good at impressions she's you know? easy I think, the queen, isn't she? I think Harriet Harriet's got you know she's looking over her shoulder give over oh I've got to remind everybody if you don't mind sorry everybody but yeah. I am doing this thing for charity on the 16th of April 
and it is uh, on my Twitter feed. Um, it's called Calabarioke. Uh and it's a stupid improv thing where you have to give a PowerPoint presentation using slides that aren't yours. So I am going to be given six PowerPoint slides that I and they're about something I have no idea about. Uh, I don't know what they are, and I won't have any time to review them. I'll just have to give the presentation without knowing what the hell they are. Um, it's in aid of the Trussell, um, uh, the Trussell charity, uh, which helps uh, families in economic hardship, uh, which is obviously hugely important at the moment because lots of children aren't getting the free school meals and things that they would normally get. Um, so yes, you can buy tickets online. I'll repost it again on Twitter and I'll ask Yoko Bear if he will retweet it uh, for us. Um, and I think it's three pounds uh, and you get to sort of watch it online. You get a password and things like that. And then you get to watch it online. It's me and five other people who are all big wigs in PR. And then there's me, quite what I'm doing there. I don't know. But anyway, there I am. Well, you're in the big in the world of Ambridge fandom, aren't you? I am. It's like being big in Japan. That's what I am. <laughs> uh, and, and also, um, if you bear with me, uh, you'll hear Lucy and Harriet uh, Ambridge sleuthing, oh, yes. so to speak. Yeah. So why don't you tell the, people about that? Lucy? The Ambridge true crime. I'm a big mm. fan for normally all the wrong reasons of true crime podcasts. Um especially the ridiculous ones. Uh, so I, uh, me and Harriet have done an Ambridge one, uh, which Royfield is at the moment editing. Uh, so it's called Kathy Come Home. Ambridge True Crime, Kathy Come Home. And um, it will be up whenever Royfield pulls his finger out. Mm-hmm. Which should be tomorrow. Woo! Should be tomorrow. Excellent. All right, folks. Uh, that's been uh, your dumpty dum this week. Um, I think... I did well this week. I'm giving myself a solid six this week, Lucy. Uh, what are you scoring yourself? Oh, at the same. Hmm. Let's break that down. So, uh, your Derek gag, what would you give that? Oh, Royfield, stop it. <laughs> I do feel that your monologue gives you an unfair advantage <laughs> in the uh, yes, but you judging do. how we did yeah, but you did a at the sermon, end of every show. And I can't compete with that. Of course you, you can. The Reverend Brown. You, you, ser- you sermonise every week. Do I? Get help? in your pulpit. Yeah, you do. Put your dog <laughs> collar on. And then get all smutty. Bit of innuendo talking about back passages. Tradesmen's entrances. Tradesmen's entrances. Tradesmen's entrances. Same thing. So I I think you deserve a seven. I'll settle for a six. And I think, uh, you know, all in all, if we were rated 6.5 for this show, I'd I'd, I'd be happy. If you disagree or wildly agree, uh, why don't you go on to um, Apple iTunes and write us a review? Um, We did thank you last week for writing reviews uh, when I said to write them. And we got all the way up to number three in TV and film. uh, The section of podcasts, TV and film on Apple iTunes. And of course, we have to go into that because it's the closest to what we do, because there isn't a radio section, uh, funnily enough. But we got to number three. So I'd like to thank you. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you don't need to write reviews anymore. Keep writing. 
you got naff all to do. You're stuck at home with your kids, with your wife, with your husband, uh, with your partner. Why don't you just like, you know, in those quiet moments, take the laptop into the bedroom, bang out a review and uh, we will love you uh, virtually for doing that. So uh, big us up. If you think we're shite, though, be honest and say, I think this is shite. I've struggled no, all the way Keep through that podcast. Keep it yourself. Hmm? No, one, no one cares. Keep it yourself. If, it's, if you think it's shit, just go, shh, shh. No one needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing you can do whilst we're in these times of corona lockdowns is uh, whilst you're uh, Zooming or WhatsApping uh, your family members or friends, tell them to listen to the podcast. That's the best thing other than writing a review. You can actually do write a review first because it means we go up the iTunes charts. Second thing, just go tell a friend, just say, give this a go. That Lucy's funny. The other bloke, not so much, but she's really funny. Just listen listen out for her and that would be awesome too. Uh, Dumdydum.com, go there. You can watch Lucy in fully technical in full technicolor do her week in ambridge and uh, you can listen to the shows you can comment on them go through the back catalog you can do all sorts of things on dumdum.com you can even go onto the shop don't buy because you might not get it anytime soon uh, but we go onto the shop and just go when the coronas is over i'm gonna buy myself a mug or these i like the way you call it boxes. the coronas because it sounds like a sort of a band a motown band royfield yeah. brown and the coronas i like that Thank you. Well, you, you can use it. I haven't trademarked it. it. May- <laughs> <laughs> I do go, hey, it's the Coronas. Hi. I do that all the time. <laughs> it's going to alleviate. I know. The world's got to make going it. Through. Well, it's why my sister insists on calling it that nasty cold because she says I refuse to give it any more sort of. Um, it's like I'm not, I'm not making it get above itself if I call it the coronavirus and make it sound all, mm. you know, terrifying rather than just. Um, just irritating and horrible. So she calls it the nasty cold. Have you had the mm, nasty uh, cold? She says. <laughs> how, how's my favourite Freeman doing? Uh, she's fine. Yeah, she's uh-huh. fine. Yes. Did you give him my number? No. She doesn't want it. She's too busy. How does she know she doesn't want it if you haven't even asked her if she wants it? I did it? genuinely ask her and she said, no, thank you. <laughs> so there we go. I was trying to avoid telling you that, but it's too late now. I've said it. It's your own fault. You shouldn't ask, beg for compliments. <laughs> to, to be fair, if I got a call from your sister, I wouldn't know what to say either. I'd be like, <laughs> I don't care. I might persuade you to do I only it. I met you once, you. and that was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, folks. I tell you what, if, you, if you're not going to write us a review, if you're not going to tell a friend or a loved one uh, to listen to the podcast, what you can do is go onto patreon.com and uh, donate $2 per show, $2 US per show. And uh, give, that gives us not only a virtual thumbs up, but also a monetary thumbs up, which means that when the website goes down or when we've got to fix something somewhere, we've got to do something, we've got to buy a new bit of kit, we can actually afford to do it because we've got money in the dum dum bank. So $2 per show, you help to support your favourite podcast, uh, which um, is probably my dad wrote a poem. No, 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 it's Dumpty Dum. Dumpty Dum is your favourite podcast. So two dollars per show. Go on to Patreon.com. Uh, give us that, and you do eventually get extra content. And I am so sorry, but last week I was so slammed with stuff that um, I didn't post 
the Lucy's Year in Ambridge, which I promise, promise, promise I will do uh, by the end of this week. I promise, promise, promise. Um, this show uh, was born on Twitter and uh, it, it's been a love affair ever since between myself and Lucy. I look at her lovingly and uh, she has affairs with other people. No, 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 sorry. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> but no, we rub along. It's ebony and ivory. It's chalk and cheese. But somehow this ramshackle podcast has survived six years of uh, of airing in the podcast world because Blimey. of that meeting on Twitter. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Dumdy Dum uh, by going onto Twitter and typing in Dumdy Dum. Where invariably you get Yokel Bear, who can be found at Yokel Bear. I can be found at Royfield, and Lucy can be found at. Lucy V. Freeman. And if Twitter isn't enough social media for you, you can go on to Facebook and have some more social media in your face. You're going to rub it all over your face and you'll dive straight into it. <laughs> and um, basically, you'll be rubbing your face up against Millie Bell, Yokel Bear and Witherspoon. But because it's online, social distancing. It's yeah, clever. Yeah. So go on to Facebook, do that if that is your want. Now, uh, it's the end of the show. Uh, so I'm going to hand uh, hand over the reins to Lucy whilst I try and figure out what piece of music I'm going to pay out to because I haven't thought about it. So Lucy, can you fill in the space so my brain can think, please? <coughs> yes, we will now have a selection of songs from the Student Prince. <laughs> Sung by me. No, we won't. Um <laughs> I hope everybody is uh, enjoying isolation, not enjoying it. I hope you're all surviving isolation and not getting too miserable. I can thoroughly recommend, if you're like me, and when mm. you don't have enough to do or think about, your brain gets busy making you think about things that are not massively helpful. Maybe something embarrassing you did 15 years ago and it decides now is a good time to bring that up. Um so that you find yourself blushing massively just when you're sitting watching TV or not doing anything and uh, feeling a bit uh, worried or anxious or whatever. This is where um, um, this is where audiobooks come into their own when you're doing your walkie roundy thing that you're supposed to do that Boris has told us we've all got to go marching around for an hour. Um, or because sitting watching the TV is fine and it does take your mind off things and everything, but moving about also has very good effects. So by moving about and listening to an audiobook, you get both the mental health benefit of giving your brain. It's like giving a dog that's a bit anxious, you give it something to focus on. So you give it something to, you know, like a rubber toy sort of thing. So think of it as, <laughs> as you're, throwing a, you're throwing a rubber toy for your, for your a, a mental squeaky dog. Rubber toy. A squeaky toy. A squeaky one. Yes, yeah. Toy. Um, for your dog by making it listen to an audio book to give it something to chew on mm. and at the same right. time you're moving around and doing stuff that's what my top tip is well then if we're telling people to listen to audio books mm. right can i just have one little plug for uh, my latest mid-atlantic i oh, interviewed yes journalist sebastian whale who's done an autobiography done a biography sorry not an autobiography a biography of john burkow and it's this week's so if you go to midatlantic uh show.com or just type in midatlantic onto your podcatcher of choice you'll find it and we we took a deep dive into john burkow 
And it is an utterly fascinating political journey that uh, the ex-Speaker of the House of Commons goes on. Because when he, before he enters politics, he is completely and utterly a right-winger, believes in repatriating immigrants. Blimey! And by, yeah, his father, even though his father uh, was the son of Jewish immigrants from Romania, John Burkow, as being the second generation from them, was totally a right-winger, a fan of Enoch Powell. Um, he was more Thatcherite than Thatcher in the in the 80s and then goes on this journey back in, well, not back into, but a journey into the centre of British politics. And I think Sebastian does a fantastic job of plotting that. And I managed to find some archive clips uh, of speeches uh, which he gave to kind of illustrate that story. So if you like your politics and you like long form audio uh mid-atlantic this week um because i think we did sebastian and i did a did a decent job on that um right um in honor of the land of my uh parents jamaica i'm suitably going to now play a piece of music uh which isn't actually of jamaican origin but it's 10 cc and um, I don't like cricket. Ah, ah, oh no. I love that song. I love it. Da. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you all again next week. Chin up. <laughs> well done, you three men. Trucking right, I heard a dark voice beside of me, and I looked round in a state of fright. I saw four faces, one man, a brother from the gutter. They looked me up and down a bit and turned to each other.
me say Would you like something harder? She said I got it Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.